Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us. Kind words, silly words, angry words. And they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? Words that change us. In Words That Change You, we'll examine words, events, concepts that have impacted us lately and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on and some tools that apply that for our lives. Tune in and be surprised. Haaretz. Between the ages of four and twelve, I spent most of my summers on a farm. During that period, my parents, who both worked as physicians, had precious few holidays. So they packed me and my sister onto the train, together with the famous Aunt Lisa, a retired midwife, and off we went to Binabuk. The farm was a reasonably small affair, with about 30 cows, a dozen pigs, and four to five horses. Old Mr. Schenner had built the farm and, over the years, added a couple of floors to his own home, which accommodated simple guest rooms for close to 30 people. Needless to say, this place was paradise for a small boy like myself. But it was much more than that. Old Schenner, his son Heinz, and some of the other farmhands decided to treat me like one of the local boys who needed age-appropriate mentoring in the ways of farming. The first task I was allowed to dispatch was the cleaning out of the stable. Using a slightly smaller shovel than the grown-ups, I was still able to do what was required morning and evening in order for the animals to be properly looked after. Another task was that of haymaking. The old farmer had cut the meter-high grass, and now a troop of workers got onto the hay wagon, pulled by a team of horses, to collect the hay and bring it into the barn. Again, at the start as a four-year-old, my task was one of raking. But as I got older, I was given a small pitchfork and allowed to assemble hay to be lifted up onto the wagon. And around 10, I graduated to standing on top of the wagon, carefully loading the bales in the proper way. Once back at the farm, and all the hay stored away in the barn, the crew assembled in the farm's kitchen. Mrs. Schenner, a wiry small lady, was cooking lunch for 30 summer guests and hardly paid attention to us. Then an enormous six-pound loaf of dark bread and an even larger knife were passed around and every worker cut himself off a large slice of bread. The day the loaf was passed to me, I knew I was considered part of the crew, and that I had just witnessed a rite of passage. There are too many experiences to share of those seemingly endless summers on the farm. But one overarching impression that stayed with me was the profound link Mr. Schenner and his family 
had with their land. Not only did it yield hay for the cattle and honey for the bees, there were forests which produced timber to be sold in order to buy another cow or pig. There were dirt paths to maintain, rivers to regulate, pests to fight, and hornet nests to burn out. And it all followed a very sane yet deliberate rhythm intended to husband, protect, and work the land in order to feed all those one was responsible for. The notion of selling any of that land was unthinkable since the land was what made this life possible. Most city dwellers have very little understanding of land, roots and inheritance. They consider themselves highly flexible, at home anywhere and ready to move if career or opportunity beckon. This was driven home powerfully for me when my nephews had to recently bury their father. He had grown up in the country, but had lived the better part of 60 years in the city of Vienna and had maintained no connection to the area of his origin. Being a long-term denier of the reality of death, he had also never bothered either buying a burial plot for himself or even expressing any preference of where he wanted to be buried. This left my nephews in their 20s in the unenviable position of needing to find a place where to put his ashes, and they settled on the garden of their late father's girlfriend. Contrast this with the story in Genesis 23, when Abraham, whose wife had just passed away, insists on buying a peril plot for her, in that case, the cave of Machpelah. Why would he insist on buying it? Why did it matter to him where his wife was buried in the first place? Nomads appreciate the earth, of course, given that their livelihood depends on it yielding sufficient provender and water to feed their flocks. And because they are nomads, they also instinctively understand the importance of a permanent place a home where the nomadic lifestyle would finally end. It is probably no exaggeration that the story of the people of Israel can be described as that of nomads longing and eventually finding their own land. But not only Jews make a lot out of a piece of land. In Lebanon, even presidents are buried in the village their family hails from, since that is most truly their land much more so than some grand burial plot in the middle of the city. The complete opposite can be found ironically in the United States where I now live. Even though this country experienced its first economic boom through people seeking lands to farm, now virtually nobody with the exception of Native Americans, holds land per se in high regard. It is at best a commodity to trade, but not something to hold on to, let alone a sacred trust to maintain. Not surprisingly, most cemeteries in this country are large stretches of parkland with the occasional small plaque in the ground.
We could of course direct our reflections in a number of different directions. The most elementary might be the realization that, city dweller or not, none of us can survive on this planet without the resources this earth provides, and therefore without the basic respect the land we live on deserves. Waste, pollution, deliberate destruction are all actions which a thoughtful human person should avoid and fight against. But then there's also the question of roots, which land ultimately signifies. Wherever we live and wherever we come from, we all have roots in some particular country, in some particular piece of earth. Do we deny those roots or do we honor them? Forgetting our own roots can make us both unappreciative of those who worked hard and sacrificed to make our lives possible. It can also render us insensitive to the many who have lost their land and find themselves uprooted, such as the millions of emigrants who leave their land behind for lack of food and security. Nor will we ever understand some of the issues surrounding the Middle East conflict until we appreciate the importance of land in their people's mentality. It is not for nothing that the Hebrew word for Israel is simply Haaretz, the earth. And finally, remaining connected to the earth keeps us humble. Genesis calls the first human Adam, literally earthling from Adama, earth or dirt. Remembering that we are dust and to dust we shall return keeps us grounded, close to the soil on which we all depend. This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbereitner. It was produced by Fritz Lowy, Piroska Kacha, and Jacob Dubibair. If you liked this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, feel free to leave us feedback or questions on Facebook under Einstein Podcasts. Until next time.